Welcome to the Roll Bama Roll Podcast. I'm Wesley Gullett. As always, I'll be joined by Brad Canning. Brad, you were doom and gloom all year when it came to the Iron Bowl. I I held out hope longer than you did. But in the end, Alabama loses in Jordan-Hare 48-45. And if Saturday proves anything, it's that the voodoo exists. You were right. It's undeniable. Look, I'm not here to brag, so y'all can skip forward three minutes if you don't want to hear it. But I've always said, you know, even going back two years ago when we were headed into this game, it's almost undeniable. Now it is. You can go from the first catch on the sideline by, what, Seth Holloman or whatever his name is. It it, it just (laughs) – and – Oh, my God. It, there always has to be a play. There always has to be one damn play. And the, the freaking deflection by Najee behind the back, I mean, it, it just it, – it's so comical because I had already accepted, as most of y'all listening and have been listening knows, I've been accepting this L for a long time. So I wasn't hurt. I was more pissed off and, and also laughing. It's just – it's incredible. I know, you know, everyone wants to say throughout preseason and throughout the season, oh, well, you're just overreacting. You know, you're being a a hypochondriac. No, I'm just, I I really now believe, and I've been to New Orleans, but I really now believe in voodoo magic. You cannot prove me otherwise. But if there's a good thing, and, and it's what I tweeted out well before the game, I fully expect us to lose on some bullshit. But the good thing is Gus will be around longer. So we're going to get that. You know, and we already know Gus is going to win in two years, most likely. We'll, we'll see what happens between now and then. But, hey, look, if there's a benefit out of this, it's that. Hey, look, and the Iron Bowl has been beaten to death. We know that. But there are two things I want to ask you about, and we'll move on. And, and both have to do with how the game ended. Alabama had 12 men on the field on a fourth and four to effectively give Auburn a first down and end the game. Auburn ran their punter on the field. They lined him up at wide receiver. It it confused Alabama, who then couldn't get their punt returner off the field in time. And there have been a lot of opinions thrown out there on that particular move by Auburn and Gus Malzahn. It it was completely within the rules, but I wanted to get your take on, on that play. I think something so simple is so smart because if that is just something, you know, that's so generic, why have we not really seen that much before? No, I mean, Gus, you always expect Auburn, Gus, anybody, when it comes to the Iron Bowl, whoever's coaching, to throw everything out and and put the damn kitchen table on the line. You're calling whatever you can. I never in my life would have expected that. And it is only fitting. You talk about a Hollywood ending of if Alabama would have played Jalen. No, this is our Hollywood ending now because that other scenario is not going to happen. Our regular season and our playoff expectations ended on the fact that the team got a penalty for some stupid (laughs) shit. Because other than injuries, that has defined this whole year is stupid penalties. This has been the most un... And this is not overreaction. This is not some FS1 bullshit. This is the most undisciplined team Nick Saban has had while at Alabama. Argue with your mama. Yeah, fact. Yeah, and to to me, when I've heard or read anybody complaining about that play, it comes across as bitter. Like, Gus Malzahn's job is to win that game, especially that game. And he made a move that eliminated Alabama's chance to put together a game-winning drive, and Alabama played right into it. Whose fault is that? No, it's coaching, 100%. Yeah. And I have a feeling that if Nick Saban was the one to pull that off, <laughs> the same people complaining would have a, a, a very different take on it. Well, yeah, th- then it'd be the other side complaining that that should be legal. Mm. Um, but th- there was two things that ended Saturday night. It was Alabama's playoff hopes, but it was also, and it won't be truly ended, but to us, the narrative about Alabama getting all the calls. Let's review this season, please. I mean, put, my God, it, it, it's just been bullshit. 
after bullshit after bullshit. I, I'm sorry. It gets, gets me fired up. That's why I'm cussing right now. <laughs> uh, because how can you feasibly look at this season and look at this damn SEC officiating Twitter account that's supposed to explain a lot of stuff that never does? Yeah. Yeah, they're Get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's move on to something that will make you even happier. Uh, quickly to Joseph Bullivis, who, as we all know, missed a 30-yard game-tying field goal in the last minute of the Iron Bowl. Brad, he issued a written apology on Twitter after a gaggle of our, our Tier 4 fans basically logged on social media and decided it was a good idea to send a 19- or 20-year-old hate mail for missing a field goal. Look, I don't want to sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my ass here, but even if you don't at recruits, if you at players, you are literally the worst type of fan there is. Like, I would rather you have Nick Saban depicted as Jesus on your wall than you being the person telling a kicker who missed a kick. If you think the game really ended on that kick, you didn't watch everything else that led up to that. I know I am notorious. It is part of my brand about kicking online and on this podcast. But do you ever really hear me truly dog out those players? No, I joke around, but it's never serious. Yeah. I get emotions run high. I get it. Yeah, but he owes but nobody an apology. That that was so just, it, it's hard to put into words. I, I felt bad for the kid because we do joke around, but the fact that it got taken to a level, I can't even imagine how he felt, and that sucks for him. Yeah. And I don't know what else to say with that other than a freaking Game of Thrones. Shame, you know? Yeah. And like you said, why why is he your scapegoat to begin with? I mean, and he'd be the first to tell you that he has to be able to put a 30-yarder through consistently. Because here's my thing, too, Westport. Yeah. Let me cut you off there. No, you're, you're good. Okay. There is not one damn person that added him on Twitter talking that mess. There is not one person <laughs> that legitimately thought he was going to make it anyway. Yeah, the whole world knew what was going to happen. There, there was not a person watching that that was confident that that kick was going in. Not one. Nope. Yeah, I would have so, rather had Will's busted ass hamstring out there, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> but he never should have been in that position to begin with. Auburn exactly. had not scored on a pick six all season. They got two on Saturday. They yeah. had zero defensive touchdowns going yeah, into that game. at all. Right. And Alabama's defense plays against basically an erratic freshman quarterback that struggled the entire year, and they gave up mm. four, 48. And, and Yeah, and then what happened? Oh, that's another thing we've been yeah. trying to tell y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Old then, Joe yeah. Montana. And then to the 12 men on the field, to the one-second field goal debacle before halftime. It seems oh odd God. to me that so many people would not have enough perspective to not pick out one play by a kicker and blame him for a loss that was a well it's only because that was the last moment yeah that's why right yeah and it was a team effort loss if i've ever seen one oh my god yes that (laughs) we've i can say this too alabama has never been more deserving of a loss under nick saban than they were saturday night oh yeah Uh, all right well moving on college football the silly season is is upon us the regular season has ended and it's about to get wild we'll start to see the coaching dominoes fall and when those fall the recruiting dominoes are not far behind so a, a popular topic as it pertains to alabama is the future of defensive coordinator pete golding when you gauge the fan base, it, it seems like majority want to see a change there. But I've heard, Brad, that Nick Saban may not be as eager to move on from Golding as the fans are. Are you, at this point, fully on the fire, Pete, train? Yes and no. I mean, I still hold the same position for the most part I did a few weeks ago when we talked about it. I'm fine. and I, I said this on record before earlier in the season. I'm fine if he's kept, but not in a DC role. If we bring in somebody else that is able to run that. 
I, I think he can be a positional coach. I, I still think there's room to grow for him. He doesn't recruit with the best. I'm just going to tell you. There's things behind the scenes that he is who he is when it comes to that. But if there's not that positional role available, then yes, I'm, I'm fine with Pete coming out and, and thanking Coach Saban for everything and acknowledging he's moving to a better you know opportunity for he and his family. Uh, I'm not going to put everything on him, but I am going to put some of it. I've seen Pete stands all weekend and all week. I understand it, but you have to acknowledge the fact that he does bear some of this responsibility. Yeah. If you can't even acknowledge that, that's your own ignorance. Yeah, injuries are part of it. I get that. But my God, there's so many prime examples that he has to have some of this responsibility for it. I, I don't know what else to tell you, but I think if you get the right competent person in there who maybe maybe a little foreshadowing here, but has some prior experience with Coach Saban and how he does things and runs things, we're going to be a little bit better. I want some non-offensive touchdowns again. That'd be nice. Haven't really had one since Trayvon Diggs. But uh, no, Pete can be a positional coach. He is not a DC yet. If Nick Saban decides to bring Golding back, to me that says that he thinks the injuries impacted the defense to a point of no repair. And I will understand that. But if that's the decision, Pete Golding is going to be under a microscope next season. Like, I don't think we've seen a coordinator under in the Saban era. Injuries are not next season. The base will have a performer leave mindset. And, And honestly, the coaching staff will have brought that on themselves by bringing him back. No, and you have to acknowledge the fact that there. Let's go back to you know January into February when we brought Sark back. Let's go in that first week or two week window. The meltdown was just insane, and people came around. We talked about it. To me, if he decides that Pete is deserving enough to come back, it's not because of what he saw just from this year, though. It's what he foresees, mm-hmm. and I don't think he's going to have nowhere near the impact on the defense at that point if he retains him. And I trust Saban enough because how many times have we seen where it's worked out when he's retained or returned people to the staff? So he's got enough good graces here to be able to do what the hell he wants. I just hope something's figured out here because it just seemed like the entire schematics of this defensive side of the ball never fully clicked and pete golding has been on the road recruiting so if he's let go i don't think we'll know until after the early signing period it'll be like a mike loxley thing yeah and and a lot of the class is secured and they they won't have to worry about the fallout of losing a coach um on the other side of the ball football scoop brad has reported that steve sarkeesian has interest in the colorado state job if there's one assistant on staff that i think alabama has to keep i mean absolutely has to keep mm-hmm. it's sark and there's only mm-hmm. one reason for that yep. and his there's name is bryce young, young. Reason. Yep. <laughs> his name is bryce young sark was instrumental in landing the commitment of bryce young he's known the family for years and even though nick saban's taken a hands-on approach with bryce young's commitment And I know I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here a little bit, Mm. but it could potentially spell disaster if Sark lands elsewhere. So the way I see this is it's now known that USC is going to retain Clay Helton for another year. Instead of using the money to buy Clay Helton out, I believe they've paid off football scoop to now put this story out there. (laughs) So that way USC can get their quarterback. Uh, that way, Graham Harrell can air it out with him as an offensive coordinator. You know, you you won't convince me otherwise, because when I hear Steve Sarkeesian and I hear Colorado State opening in the same sentence, other than the altitude, 
difference. The only other thing that comes to mind is the but why gif of Ryan Reynolds. Like, you know, but but why? Like, you know, really, because I, I get why it didn't work for Mike Bobo. Fourth down never works for Mike Bobo. You know, shout out to South Carolina. But I don't know, man. I, I really think that in all things considered, Sark did a, a pretty damn bang up job this year as OC. Oh, he had no complaints from me. And look, football scoop has been known to be <laughs> hit or miss in the past. So I wouldn't say it's time to panic yet, but it's something to keep an eye on as we're as we approach the early signing period, especially. But I'll be honest, too. We might have a different opinion on the Colorado State jobs. If you ask me which group of five job would be appealing enough to maybe convince someone like Sart to leave Tuscaloosa for Colorado State would be one of the first jobs to come to mind in the group of five that I mean, I, th- I think that's probably a top five job outside of the power five conferences. And I know you've been in that area before. Not a terrible place to live. No, but I have a feeling the the views above the stadium is going to be better than the views on the stadium. Yeah. So anyway, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. We'll touch on that later. Hopefully everything goes smoothly. The uh, football scoop, of course, had maybe four or five other candidates as well. So it wasn't like a, a Steve Sarkeesian's leading the pack. Well, type yeah, of you know, it's like when we, we talked to kegs and eggs, old Adam Kramer last year, you know, mm-hmm. like December is notorious. It's the hashtag month of sources. Okay. Like, but don't expect any major moves barring something crazy happening until after this early signing period. So anything that comes out that's rumored, I have a feeling Alabama's going to do as best of a job as they can to keep anything hush-hush hush, hush, and contained just in large fact to secure these early signings. Yeah. Right, before we wrap up, I-, I wanted to hit on something else. The Kiffin to Ole Miss or Arkansas rumors are flying. <laughs> <laughs> They're Jesus all over the place. Christ. Do you want to see Lane back in the SEC? You de- dude, you put Lane in Arkansas where there ain't shit. <laughs> there is no- what the hell you go to Arkansas for? My buddy played for Arkansas and Houston uh Houston Nut. Like what the hell you go there for? Nothing. So if I <laughs> so, so if I asked you which job would you would you take or would you would you rather see Lane take, you would say Ole Miss? No, I, I if I'm talking about Lane, I'd love to see Lane in Arkansas, dude. Really? Okay. Because I think both jobs are going to give him about as much free range as he wants. He's probably going to inherit better talent at Ole Miss. Uh, He'll probably have better success within two or three years total at Ole Miss. But it's just, to me, his persona. Dude, the Sex Panther in in Arkansas, like he's going to run rampant. And I, I understand there's the Grove in Ole Miss, but dude, that's that's a little different. Like I just feel like he'd be untouchable in Arkansas. I'd take the Ole Miss job if I was him before I ever even considered Arkansas. Oh, like, yeah. For what's best for him. Absolutely. I yeah. agree. Like Arkansas might have legitimately been the worst power five team in the nation this season. <laughs> and I mean, I'm not joking. They might have been the worst power five team in the country. I would not want to inherit that roster. On top of that, the in-state talent there, not great. And Mississippi, yeah, but- though. Imagine the what's on that roster though, and what he recruits to them. Well, the the just the schemes and the plays he comes up with, dude, it's gonna be oh, drunk be as hell. Yeah, <laughs> but when you're weighing the two, Mississippi, yeah, you have another in-state school to recruit against, but Ole Miss is still the flagship university there, and and there's a lot more talent to choose from than in Arkansas. And by the way, I just thought about Lane Kiffin and the Egg Bowl. Oh my God! I mean, come what on. it already is, yeah, dude. There there would be. But no, there, there's there's not enough <laughs> like shadowing out of things on a TV screen that would happen during yeah. that game. And um, plus, look, Hugh Freeze proved that if you pray hard enough, 
Oh my god. Five stars just appear on your roster out of nowhere. It's like magic in Oxford. Yeah, I also saw Liberty's going to give Hugh Freeze an extension after his first year. Sounds about uh, Where he's going to be one of the highest group of five paid head coaches. Uh, I just hope they deliver that on some type of hospital bed to him. So, <laughs> talk about greatest moments of the season. That's, <laughs> that's absolutely that's up there. That's number one I mean, for sure. That video again of him in the Kinnick uh, Wave in Iowa. Oh my God. <laughs> but I did. I want to see. I want Lane in the SEC just for the drama because he cannot help himself. He is. Going, he's going to be the center of some sort of scandal or drama or national story. And if nothing else, it would be fun to watch. Oh, and at Ole Miss, it would be the best of all scenarios for that to take place. I mean, I, I'm here for it, brother. I'm telling you, like, I, I love Lane. Like, dude, he's yeah. always going to be the Sex Panther to me. Like, but I love him. Ole Miss is absolutely who he is. Yeah, exactly. So, that's a, that's a match um, made in heaven. But finally, before we get out of here, I just want to give a shout out to one of our most loyal listeners. Uh, you know, shout out to Scott Epic Ray. He said he won some money this weekend, Wes. Uh, yeah, unfortunately. You know, yeah, unfortunately. But at least I know there's one person that we have influenced more so myself in terms of, <laughs> you know, the uh, the the petty Betty and the you know negative Nancy over here. You know, he said he thought some bullshit was going to happen, so we put money on Auburn on the money line. He ended up winning about 400 bucks. So shout out to Scott. Thanks for having faith. I can't wait to actually lose you that money next time. Yeah. And maybe look, I'm just glad some, something decent came out of it for somebody. It sure <laughs> well, wasn't us. So. Yeah, it, it wasn't our, us and it wasn't the Bushes either. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. This has been the Roll Bama Roll podcast. Roll Todd.